We have reached the final edition of 30 Days of Star Wars here on the Middle Seats Podcast, the best seat in the house for all things movies and entertainment. I'm Andrew Oje, once again joined by Jake Hensler and Nate Lungarini. We are moving from the original trilogy to the sequel trilogy. Today we're talking about 2015's Star Wars. I don't know if it's technically called Episode 7. I don't think it is. I think it's just Star Wars colon The Force Awakens, right? They don't do the numbers anymore. Not officially, but... I, I don't know, okay. but it's still the seventh <laughs> entry of the series. It takes less time to say seven. <laughs> we still call it Episode 7, basically. It was released in 2015, as I said, 10 years after Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, so that's a big gap there. Not quite as big a gap as in between Return of the Jedi and The Phantom Menace, but still a pretty decent-sized gap, and it's 30 years, a little 30-plus years, since the original trilogy ended, the last time we saw characters like Luke, Leia, and Han Solo out on their adventures. So guys, just a little housekeeping up front. This will be the last recording, like I said. Since we talked so in-depth about The Last Jedi two years ago, and that was one of our best podcasts yet, you can listen to our original review to kind of get our thoughts on that. I don't think our opinions have changed too much, if I remember correctly. I don't think so. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I, we've matured over time, but... I don't think our opinions uh, have. Yeah. I think I've I think I've become more immature over time, but I don't know. Don't don't make me agree on Mike, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so The Force Awakens is a whole different animal. JJ Abrams directed it. Guys, I'm speaking from personal experience here, but I think you guys mimic this. The hype for this movie, this might have been the most hype movie period I've ever I've ever experienced personally. Like I wasn't alive for Phantom Menace's height of hype, but I was right in the thick of it for Force Awakens. Obviously, very excited. I think the obvious comparisons are Avengers Endgame and Infinity War. But, like, those were very fan-driven for obvious reasons. You needed to watch 20-some movies before to get them. This was, like, universal hype. Like, moms were excited for this. Uh, little sisters who had never seen a Star Wars movie were good with this. Um all methods of people, old, young, high, low, like this was universal hype. Yep. Low people? Who are low people, Nate? You could say short. <laughs> <laughs> I meant low character, but he's talking about whatever poor people. you want to call it. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking about the, what? the people that go to the $5 We, we just made Nate a villain. <laughs> oh my goodness. You guys were so nice to me throughout this entire recording process. And now because we're close to... For uh, the Last Jedi, we're starting to crap on me a little bit. Well, that's not good. Welcome to every introduction I've had on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Words speak louder than actions, Nate. Nate, I'll forgive you, but it's going to take some time. Um, yeah, but even I think I've told this story before. But my uh, my dad's good friend like doesn't really care about movies like whatsoever, and he was like he he caught like an eleven a.m. showing for Star Wars. Because he like he didn't really care to like go and like find the tickets. He just wanted to go and watch it and just see what it was about. And then I don't think he saw Last Jedi, but even he who does not see movies, he claims Force Awakens was the first movie he saw in theaters in five years. And but like that's everybody went. My mom doesn't care about Star Wars. She went to see it with us. Like everybody went to see it. Jake and I had a very interesting experience on our opening night. Do you remember who we oh, ran yeah. into? I, I finished my Christ I I rushed my Christianity final to go see that. <laughs> <laughs> and we ran into one of our professors in the theater, 
a very colorful guy who we won't say his <laughs> name on Mike gave it a 9.8 yeah. out of 10. He told me later, but yeah, <laughs> him and his whole family there just out for the experience on a Thursday night. Yep. I think the comparisons to Infinity War and Endgame are apt, if a little different, because moving towards Infinity War, like you were talking about the backlog of movies, we had such a rush of momentum getting to that. This was a stagnant franchise being reborn. And obviously, rebirth and awakenings is a huge theme of this movie. It's very much a mixture of older themes and new beginnings. And I think for the most part, it pulls it off pretty well. Yeah, I I wouldn't argue. I watched it the other night and not only does it does it hold up and it's very exciting, it's kind of like a rush almost. Like it's very go, go, go. I kind of forgot. I don't know why I forgot. I, I watched it a couple of years ago and a couple of years before that. But it's very rush. It's very go, go, go. There's a lot more action than I actually even remembered. Yeah, definitely. It's it's an exciting movie. It's a it's a fast car that you've been like dreaming about for a very long time and you finally get in it and it goes zero to 60 in the three seconds that you want. And you're like, yes, it's great. <laughs> right. Yes. When am I ever going to drive this again? I'm not sure, but it's great in the moment. And that's where this movie really excelled. It absolutely fed into its own hype. And I don't think anybody was down on this movie walking out of the theaters. Now, maybe with like a little bit more, um, cynical brains or even just um, with, with, with more time to kind of dissect the movie. I think some people have gone a little bit down on it, um, but it's still a very solid movie. And I think it succeeds mostly on the backs of its new characters who are all very entertaining across the board, I think. Yeah. Something interesting to note is that this is the first Star Wars movie that was released in the height of the internet kind of message boards and chats and Reddit and Twitter, social media age, basically. Because Revenge of the Sith, the internet was around, but we were still aiming thoughts to each other. Like, doesn't have the same impact as the quick response of Reddit and the theories and the backlogging. And I, I mean, we can talk, we could write theses about the impact that that has on blockbuster culture and everything. But I just think it's an interesting point because you're right, Nate. With time, there were people that kind of found conflict with especially the similarities to A New Hope, which are definitely present, but don't bother me too much uh, because, like Nate was saying, the new characters are so strong, in my opinion, and the performers. They did a really good job casting uh, all these people. Let's go down them really quickly. Daisy Ridley playing Rey. She's a scavenger on Jakku. She doesn't know who her parents are. Parallels to Luke, but not exactly Luke. Finn has parallels to Han Solo in the way that he is part of of the fight, but not really. He's kind of non-committal towards it. He's a stormtrooper. He deserts, but he's just trying to run, basically. He's just trying to save himself for most of the movie. You've got Poe Dameron, who's not really a big part of this one, played by Oscar Isaac. And then, of course, you've got Kylo Ren, who literally is a Darth Vader wannabe fanboy. So again, parallels, but not direct ripoffs. Yeah, I also see power. Um, I, I actually thought there was more similarities, at least in personality, for Poe and Han. He's got... He's kind of the cool guy jacket. He's the pilot. He's the wisecracking tough guy. He'll mess you up. He's not afraid to get dirty. And it's also weird to think that there's a Han Solo ripoff character in a movie with Han Solo. So I think it's okay that Finn and Poe are kind of their own people. I think if you if you put the two of them together, maybe you get Han Solo. Like right, Poe is Poe still answers to authority for the most part in this one. Now, I mean, Last Jedi. They kind of, they, they lean more into the Han Solo aspect, but this, I mean, he's not in this one enough. 
to characterize him. He's just kind of a charming scoundrel, and I get that point of it, too. And then, like you were saying, Nate, it is interesting how they mix the new characters in with the old characters. Obviously, this is obviously a big spoiler podcast, and, I mean, if you've seen any of the sequel trilogy, you know that Luke Skywalker's in this movie for 25 seconds. (laughs) But Han Solo is a legitimate character in this movie, as is Leia. General Leia now, which I like. Um, who do you think is the MVP of, of the movie, acting-wise? Mm, it's tough. Who, who reels you in the most? I, I was very, very impressed with Daisy Ridley. I don't want to say she's the MVP, because I think the MVP is Harrison Ford. Uh, this is, I think, the most emotional and complex work he's done as Han Solo. Of course, with the big reveal that Kylo Ren is his son, and he's having to deal with He's basically he's the Han Solo we remember, but there's regret now yeah. and there's remorse fear and there's a willing. A, yeah, fear and a willingness to make things right that I think is very vital to his character here. And I mean, failure is a big theme that's gone throughout these sequel films before. And I think Han and Leia kind of feel a little bit of failure for how they let down Definitely. Kylo Ren or mm-hmm. Ben or whoever you want to call him. <laughs> yeah, I. I think my standout is Adam Driver as Kylo Ren, just because he's such a new kind of character that we have not seen in Star Wars before. Like, we've had whiny protagonists slash antagonists with Anakin and Luke, respectively, but he's a different kind of troubled, and his interactions with all the other characters... Just make him very fascinating to watch. I really enjoyed his addition to the saga. I think it's very, very fresh, and uh, it sticks with you. It's, it's one of the it's one of those new characters that everyone just caught on right away um, as like this is a new villain in the franchise and a different kind of villain to the franchise. Um, yeah, the, he is kind of a mini. You can argue that he's like a mini statement on fan culture and how toxic it can get. <laughs> there's some there's definitely some fun parallels with that, especially with the Star Wars fandom. Oh, yeah. um, but just as a character, I thoroughly enjoyed his addition to the franchise. They also introduce him in a very cool way. He he holds that that laser blast from Poe oh, in the yeah, air for a while. And then he's got the the three pronged lightsaber. He's a direct descendant of Darth Vader. Like they introduce him really, really well. Yeah, and Adam Driver is such a magnetic actor. Like, he has, from 2015 on, I think, become one of my favorites working today, especially in films like Black Klansman and Marriage Story. And I think he ups his performance in The Last Jedi compared to this one. But he's so he is so good here. You can still feel the conflict inside of him. And, I mean, he he's not a guy that holds his mo- emotions too not deep inside close. of him. Like, if he's mad, you know it. And I feel bad for the poor technicians on the Starkiller base that had to clean up his messes and the stormtroopers <laughs> that are stormtroopers that have to find different routes <laughs> just to yeah. stay away from him. One of my favorite visual gags of the entire series is when the two of them are walking down the hall, they hear it and they're like, let's, let's go a different way. Let's do yeah. something else. So mm-hmm. quick aside, this definitely reeks is the wrong word, but um, it has a lot of modern type humor like that. That's very Disney-esque, like Marvel is full of those types of like one-liner gags and one-sight gags kind of thing. Um, And it's not so much that it feels foreign to the franchise, but it is very different from the other six movies that we've covered uh, thus far, I think. Yeah, things like uh, BBA giving the thumbs up with the lighter. I love that. (laughs) Poe's like... 
pose like, do I start talking? Will you start talking first with Kylo? Yeah, like, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of that stuff. Yeah, it's it, it's it's quippy, quickie, it's quippy humor um, that's very different than what was, I think, for the most part, like one liners from Harrison Ford to brighten up other jokes in the franchise, you know? Although he Ford still gets one of the best lines in, in the movie um, when he finds out Finn was really kind of like sanitation, which, by the way, borrowed from Tropic Thunder. But um, when he finds out Finn is in sanitation and Finn the, is like, well, how could you f- you just found a Force Awakens Tropic Thunder parallel? Yes, <laughs> that's like four degrees of separation. <laughs> I love Tropic Thunder. Um, but he, Harrison Han Solo finds out Finn was more or less in sanitation, but he just has an entryway in there. And he's like, I don't know. I figured I'd get us in and then the Force will do the rest. And then Ford is like, that's <laughs> not how the Force works. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good line. But then... Immediately following that is a really good interaction. It's a mix of the old humor and the new humor because that's something that's newer. But then his interactions with Chewie, Chewie like growls and he'll be like, oh, you're cold? Like, yeah. really? Furball? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, actually, you're right. That is really good mix of old and new humor because I'm revisiting the, the original trilogy. Han and Chewie have some awesome interactions. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And all of those elements are still present here. Like I, there definitely was a template that Abrams worked off of. And kind of just change a few things. I only think it's a real problem in minor places. Like the entire concept of Starkiller Base is stupid, in my opinion. Yeah. Because why would they try <laughs> yes. this again? I mean, they they sort of try to address it. Like they show it how much bigger it is opposed to the Death Star. And then I honestly think that was one of the biggest mistakes of the movie. Like you literally compared it to the original trilogy on screen. You could have just said oh, it was as big as the Death Star and gotten away with it. But by showing it on screen, you called even more attention to just how much it was ripping off New Hope at that I, point. I don't forgive it, but I, I got close when Han goes, well, there's always a way to blow those things up. You just got to figure it out or something like that. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. you're a little self-aware, but it's still dumb. Right. Addressing the problem doesn't make it less of a problem. Like, I wasn't looking for a spoof, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. I, that's the main thing that stuck out to me. I mean... The whole Maz Kanata played by Linda Pinoyango sequence is very reminiscent of the cantina, but that gives them that gives them a chance to kind of explore some cool new characters. So I was okay with that. Uh, And what a I said this about the original trilogy um, in our Return of the Jedi podcast, but what an easy watch this is. What is it? It's 215 and it feels like 45 minutes. Yeah, like it's so it's so quick. I couldn't believe how fast it was. For a two-and-change two movie. Let's pivot back towards Rey here, I think, because there's a lot to unpack with this character that's kind of grounded in the film's big reveals. Uh, like I said, it's called The Force Awakens for a reason, and I believe, obviously, the awakening is within Rey, her discovering her powers after all this time. I think it's kind of a fight-or-flight thing is how I take it, is that she never had to rely on these things before, and now that she's in a life-or-death situation... She is finding these new elements of herself that she's never seen before and seeing the power of it. So I was okay with her bevy of powers here. They're they're clearly raw. They're clearly untrained. But I like the utilization and I like the reveal that she was going to be the one to have these powers and not Finn. Like a lot of the marketing was telling us that it might be like all the posters have Finn with a lightsaber, not her. Yeah. Ray is a very interesting character, and I'm very interested to revisit this recording after 
uh, Rise of Stop the Rise of Skywalker comes out because I really want to just see her whole arc in context in full because I liked her. I like her a lot and she's a very likable character, but I think a valid criticism that's come out a lot since this movie has come out is that she's just so naturally good at everything she tries that it's almost a little uninteresting because she's never in any real danger or conflict, it seems like, because she just always does the thing that she needs the force to do instantaneously without any prior training or what's not. Um, I did. I did feel that way a little bit. Um, watching Force Awakens, like Kylo Ren has been using the Force for a long time now, and had training with Luke. Is the son of Han Solo and Leia. The Force runs through him, like very naturally. Snoke equipped obviously with the force. does something too. Yeah, and she goes toe to toe with him and actually beats him. And I was like, really? Although I will contend that with the lightsaber battle, check the choreography again because this time I noticed she's running away for most of the fight. Like she's very much in self-defense mode until she's forced to stand her ground. Yeah, and she was hit by, a, a, rather, he was shot by Chewie right before this fight, too. So that's obviously a factor. Okay. I'm not really talking so much about the lightsaber stuff. I'm just talking about the Force stuff. Like, she's yeah, the, instantaneously... Yeah, the Jedi mind trick and stuff. Dra- yeah. yeah, the Jedi mind trick. She's pushing stuff out the way. She's grabbing lightsabers from a distance. Like, this is stuff that Luke learned these skills one a time at the movie, and she just picked them all up in one go on the run without any explanation. And um, that didn't really bother me when it was just episode seven, but with episode eight in context, too, where she really didn't learn anything new and still succeeds at almost every conflict she comes into in that movie... I'm starting to worry that that's going to be a character downfall. And if she still is able to do whatever the plot needs her to do in episode nine, that I'm not going to enjoy this character as much anymore. So that's that's going to be a big picture conversation that we obviously can't have until episode nine is live. I yeah, it's interesting that every a lot of the context of this movie in general is hard to talk about because it is an incomplete arc at this point. It's the first time we've had that conflict here talking about these movies on 30 Days of Star Wars, basically. We don't know how the story ends. So it's a valid point, Nate. Um, I haven't gotten to the point where I have found her disinteresting after two movies. I think, like I said, I think Last Jedi does a lot of interesting things with her, but I don't disagree with the the OP stuff in this one. I think they're cool moments. Like, they're applause-worthy moments, like when she... Exactly, yeah. yeah they're, they're fun to watch. It's just... It it's a it's like a roller coaster ride or like the fast car analogy I used earlier. You're in it and it's great, and then as soon as you step out of it, it's just like okay, that was thirty seconds of fun. Now what? And I think it's trying to analyze these movies after the theater hype that it isn't as good as I want it to be. I was preparing to jump you. I thought you were going to be like, yeah, you get off the roller coaster and then you just want to barf. <laughs> no, 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 not like that. I love adrenaline, man. <laughs> yeah, I love roller coasters and stuff too. Um, but I actually, there's another point I wanted to bring up to you guys. And um, I feel like a lot of people really, really dug into the final Han Solo, Kylo Ren um, interaction. Do you think they're going to do any more with that in the final movie? Because it sounded like there was a path and something cryptic in there in their final conversation. And it wasn't addressed in last Jedi. You know what I mean? I, uh, I think it's more 
Kylo Ren speaking like emo speak. He's always talking about like darkness and light and that type of tone and like his path as but, like, a they, person. They grab the saber together and he said and he like thanks him. You know what I mean? Mm. Like what is what is all that? Uh, if, if they don't address that in Rise of Skywalker, it feels a little weird. Uh, it, see, it doesn't to me because Last Jedi is so much about killing Ben Solo and letting Kylo Ren live. Like it's a big point of Luke being – like Luke being to Leia like, listen, I tried to save him but he's gone. So I like I feel like – again, Kylo's big trailer line in Last Jedi is let the past die. So I think they address a lot of that in 8 and hopefully in 9 it's thematically consistent. Um, but yeah, I like – I think the interesting thing about that scene that I noticed now the fifth or sixth time I've seen it um, is the symbolism. Abrams does a really nice job directing it because it looks like Kylo is going to kind of turn back into Ben and follow his father as the light strikes the bridge and then darkness shades over it. And that's the moment where he finally turns like that's just a beautiful visual symmetry thing that I enjoyed this time. Yeah, I think Finn is a cool character in concept, like a a deserting stormtrooper who, in some cases, might feel a lot of conflicting emotions like Kylo Ren is feeling just on the reverse. Like he had a path to darkness and quickly veered to the light as soon as he could kind of thing. Um, They don't explore a lot of it in this movie because he's kind of like our audience surrogate character where he's just saying, what is this? What is that? The entire movie. Uh, and I do, he's an incredibly likable actor. Uh, I just wish we had a little bit more character in him and then in the next movie. Yeah. I, I think his arc definitely spreads across the two films. In my opinion, it's, it's another incompletion thing. What I do like that they do with him and you kind of alluded to this is, and they do this with Ray too, is recontextualizing what happened in the original trilogy for this new generation. Like it's been so much time that has passed that people don't even know if Luke exists anymore. People don't even know if the force is real. And I think that's an awesome idea to get us back into this universe and pull us in. Like that scene where Han is talking to Finn and Ray on the bridge of the Millennium Falcon is basically like, it's true. All of it. I doubted it too. I thought it sounded ridiculous, but it is worth believing in and grasping onto. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know if I would say I would forgot about that, but I really appreciated that a second time around. I think it's a really cool detail. Like that that BB-8 has a or that droid has a map to Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker. I thought he was a myth. Like what a just a cool little passing, but like really impactful detail for the story. Um, and even on um, probably just a little bit before that, I love the just little bit of not only is Rey a scavenger. But she's a scavenger of like old Imperial starships that have crashed into the desert. And she's like living in the shadow of like, what is that, an AT-AT, right? Yeah, she's living in an like, AT-AT. Those yeah. are the little details. Love or hate Star Wars, I love those little details. Even the even Phantom Menace Attack of the Clones, I love details like that. I think they're so cool. Yeah, we actually haven't brought up the visuals of this movie at all yet, which obviously in the age of CGI and even though there are a lot of practical effects in this movie as well. Um, but in the digital age, we have access to create whole new worlds in a way that the original and even the prequels never had access to. So yeah, seeing the empire's ships in the desert, uh, that awesome 180 shot of the millennium Falcon running away from that first mm-hmm. tie fighter. Yeah. Uh, even Starkiller base is really cool is really well designed. Um, 
yeah, <laughs> there's there's lots of great visuals that were made possible because of the age that this movie came out in um, that stay true to Star Wars, but bring us a whole lot of new sights. And it's great. Right. It's the mixture of the physicality of being in location, I think, is a big part of it, because, I mean, there, there's cool designs in Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, too, but they just all look so plastic because they shot everything inside of green padding. Like mm-hmm. they actually were out in the desert of Abu Dhabi and they digitally backdropped it for things like the the cruiser and the Millennium Falcon, which, by the way, what an awesome That's what a crazy. great way to reintroduce us to the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yeah, I always love that. Every time I revisit this movie, I, I grin. That John, John, John Williams's <laughs> theme is really great again, obviously, no shock. But the, the the music, the music swelling in that like 10 seconds when we get back in the Falcon is probably peak John Williams there. Um, I really like Ray's theme too. And even the shot right before it as they're, they're running with the explosion right behind them, just great shots in this movie too. Like the people who hate on it cause it's, it's quote unquote unoriginal. I see your gripe, but also broaden the horizon a little bit. There's so much good about this movie yeah. too. And I think we're all in agreement on that. Let's start to wrap this one up and rate Force Awakens on a seat scale. Definitely more agreement on this sequel film than the other one between the three of us <laughs> by a lot. Yeah. Let's see if, uh, let's see where Nate lands on this. Yeah. I, again, I attribute this to a, a theme ride of some kind. It is effectively weaponized nostalgia, but that doesn't make it a bad movie. It definitely sells a lot of the new things that this franchise is trying to give us, uh, characters, especially, which are incredibly important. Um, the script, if unoriginal, is still solid because it is a new hope, um, <laughs> which some, is a good script, <laughs> like, which we gave great reviews last time around. So even a redo of the movie just with more stuff isn't going to be a bad, bad take. So I'm going to give this one a plush recliner, um, with the caveat that like big picture stuff matters if you're setting out to make a trilogy. So I'm hoping that my problems with episode eight don't continue into episode nine and taint this experience for me, if that makes sense. Like there's lots of stuff that we didn't have time to bring up, like Snoke, Ray's parents, a whole bunch of other things that we're told just don't matter in eight. And as long as that's compelling in nine, then I think we're okay. But if they're doing stuff just for the sake of doing stuff, I'm going to be a little disappointed. Um, where, where does this fall? Like, if you took all the, the Star Wars movies and put them on a platter, where does this fall? Three, four, five, two. Where is this? Six. Plus I, recliner. So I think by default, it's third. Right? Have you given anything else? Yeah, you've only given... You gave the original film a plus recliner, which I, I still can't <laughs> So did Jake. Uh, Don't single me out. <laughs> Both of you. Yeah. Mine is a seesaw. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess it would technically be third, assuming you're not saying it's better than the original. Yo, yeah, it's definitely not better than the original. Definitely not. I was, I was close to plush, uh, I was close to Royal Throne for original Star Wars. This is definitely teetering more toward wooden seat than it is plush recliner, but still solidly plush. Um, yeah, I'm. I, this is this is pretty much like the definition of never leaving the plush recliner area. Um, like it's. 8 out of 10. It's not quite a masterpiece, so it won't get a royal throne, but it's just, it's still really good. 
I understand the unoriginal gripes, but it's still really good. And it's got original characters who carry the story really well. It balances the old and the new really well. And it's so much fun. Like, shut up if you tell me you watch this and we're bored. Shut up. There's absolutely no way. So, yeah, definitely a plush recliner. Super fun movie. Um, and I guess I kind of wanted to do slight little rankings now that this is the last one we're going to do. This is probably fourth for me in the grand scheme of Star Wars. It would also be fourth for me as well. Um, I talked a lot in the last podcast on Return of the Jedi when we were talking about that, uh, about the tiers of Star Wars films. Uh, for me, the first tier would be Empire, A New Hope, Last Jedi. This is the top film in the second tier for me. It's just so relentlessly entertaining. It's a very inviting welcome back to the franchise because it doesn't abandon what we loved about it, but it also teases new elements. Now, Nate, you're absolutely right. If the new elements don't pay off in Rise of Skywalker, will the impact of this film be cheapened? No, probably not when you watch it because you'll still have the fond memories of how it went when you first saw it. But at the same time, <laughs> there does need to be satisfying payoff for me personally it needs to be satisfying payoff for the evolution of the themes and the characters that i saw in eight but who who knows we'll find out soon uh plus refiner absolutely <laughs> uh so yeah i think i would go really quickly empire new hope jedi last jedi force awakens probably return of the jedi and then revenge of the sith and then so on and so forth Rogue One's probably and then it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I, Rogue One is pretty good, too, I think. But I just yeah. needed the last 10 minutes of Rogue One. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us on 30 Days of Star Wars. We have gone through seven of the... How many total Star Wars movies are there? 10, 11? Uh, uh, Somehow less than Marvel, and it doesn't feel that way. <laughs> yes, I yeah. Well, I mean, it's, again, longer time period. Um, as I said at the beginning... Last Jedi, check out our 2017 review. That's about an hour and 15 minutes worth of anything you need to know about our thoughts on that movie. Um, be sure to listen to the original trilogy podcast, the prequel trilogy podcast, and be sure to look out for our Rise of Skywalker review coming up soon. That will do it for us. For Nate Lungarini and Jake Hensler, I'm Andrew Jay. Keep that seat warm, everyone. We'll be back soon.